we're going to be taking through the progress of our black comedy feature film. Who are you, by the way? Nobody, nobody knows who we are. <laughs> what this is, is a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The idea is that you don't wait for permission, you just start. This is our first feature film, something we're going to do together. Uh, you're going to get it warts and all. <laughs> <laughs> so we just go into it. I kind of think we could. This is DIY Cinema Cult. Hello, Mark. Hello, Aaron. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Isolation cast. Isolation cast number two. Number two. Welcome everyone to, what are we now? Episode six. Episode six. DIY Uh, Cinema Cult. Yeah, and we had a momentous launch this week or last week because our first episode was launched onto the world. We are all fully, fully up now on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and everything. And I think I, I didn't want to check numbers because it's always a bit humiliating when you look at basically yeah. how insignificant you are in the, in, on the universe. But it, it, I kind of caught a little glance that some people had watched it and there was some reviews up there and they yeah. weren't all just from me, you and our girlfriend. So that, Yeah, no, no, it was, it was nice. And you do get on, on the podcast, uh, provi- on the provider, you do get like stats that you can look at, which I haven't been trying to pay too much attention to because like yeah. you say sometimes it can be when you as you're kicking off a bit demoralizing but they're not bad and we've even got some listeners that i don't um that you know yeah <laughs> we've given got, money to well we've got a listener in michigan really so yeah so i think we should dedicate this episode to our listener in in michigan well, i don't in know who michigan. that I don't know who that is, but it's th- thank you. Thank you that's, for listening. That's, that is great. And I mean, the um, Facebook page is now up and running. I think we had 200 yeah. people on, on looking at the Facebook group, which, um, again, is pretty amazing. And I'm pretty sure we haven't met them all in person. So no. that's a good, definitely a good start. But um, it is only a start. But we're hoping this lockdown is going to increase creativity, as in we were talking about in the last one, creative obstructions uh, uh, and those the ability of those obstructions to uh, help creative people. So we're yeah. hoping that this lockdown has that effect on us. I hope so. I hope so. Have you been keeping creative, mate? Have you been doing what you've been up to? Yeah, d- doing my best. I mean, as before, working on the documentary is such a long-term project. Uh, you know, I was sort of mentioning uh, in passing before off-air that um, I'm in the kind of logging phase. So obviously not able to shoot anything else at the moment, being stuck in our homes. But are able to go through and look at rushes and because i've got lots of long interviews uh the logging process is is where i'm at and and having got you know 23 24 odd interviews and each one of them at least an hour and a half yeah it's a long process and and oh god keeping keeping your focus uh while you're going through you know, listening to one is great because it's like listening to an hour and a half podcast in a way. It's like, oh, it's a bite sized thing, but it's the logging bit, which is inside Final Cut, which I use. Yeah. Going through, marking everything, tagging everything, uh, and basically creating a huge database so that by the time you've gone through every interview, you've logged every interview, you've sort of transcribed as much as you can you've basically got the film in your head. But you know what? You've just got to do the hard yards and get through it. You really do. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast.
Then it's just been, uh, yeah, working on working on the scripts. Uh, had yeah. lots of lots of good chats with our old mate Rami, uh, DOP cameraman. The DOP, yeah. And he's very keen on shooting our. I sent over the scripts for the old man, which is yeah. the web series. He's right. well into to doing something on this, so I think we could maybe. I, I'm I'm kind of just going to start plodding forward as if. Uh, the world is normal at the moment. Yeah. And I'm going to start storyboarding. I'm going to start contacting casting agents and some actors. Yeah. So that by the time when the world does return back to normal and we're allowed out and we can get together and do lovely things like make films again, mm. we're kind of ready to go. I'm kind of not going to wait until all this blows over. I think I'm just going to start doing stuff now. I think that sounds like very wise. I mean, actually, interestingly, I read something in the paper today by uh, uh, a, I think it was a costume designer, and they yeah. were talking about how there's going to be this kind of U-bend effect, as in we're all going to be in the bottom of the U, as in people in the film industry are going to be in the bottom yeah. of the U for the next month, maybe two months, and there's going to be this sudden like burst of activity, potentially in the summer or late, late summer, where everybody's going to be wanting to get out there and shoot because there's such a pent-up demand for, for material. And um, chances are, I mean, the, this what this article was saying, chances are the um, the prices of things like studios and locations is going to go from nothing right now yeah. because, you know, if you could somehow avoid lockdown, which obviously you don't want to do because it's uh, dangerous and spread of virus, etc., you could probably get anywhere for free. But in about two months' time, chances are everywhere is going to be extraordinarily expensive. So yeah. it's an interesting issue that you know maybe in a few months time we'll be in a completely different world yeah. and maybe this desperation for sort of um for filming and for crews to going out there but um but you've oh, also been busy with the, the the script for routine which i i got sent over yeah so you've have you read it then the uh the, the latest draft the fifth fifth draft i have and uh it was quite a shock the opening 10 pages were quite a shock <laughs> <laughs> As in, I've added some new scenes in there. I was like, what the heck's going on? <laughs> What's all this backstory stuff? It's like, yeah, for those that obviously don't know the script, and you guys won't really know, but um, uh, in the previous drafts, we were dropped straight in at the moment where Don, the lead character, is kind of about to, to do his stand-up gig, which, you know, for many reasons uh, is a less usual stand-up gig than, than, than you'd expect. But, yeah. but now I found Don at work and I found Don doing well, another gig. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so now we currently, um, I mean, as I was writing it, I was thinking this kind of feels better for his character, but I can also understand that we, it might be something we might have to snip yeah. um, due to budgetary restrictions yeah my producer uh, hat was like you just added two yeah, locations you bastard you, you just added two bloody locations but <laughs> and I, a bunch I, of characters I, yeah I, I felt like we kind of needed to start off seeing um don in his element sh shall we say yeah. so that we have some kind of grounding to him uh when we send him into that club for what becomes the fateful night of of the film story so i felt like we needed to see him kind of in his natural habitat i guess yeah. uh which was the setup for those opening the opening scene and also there's a work 
there's him at work and there's him in a in a comedy yep. club. Um, what, what it struck me actually is that uh, that it was obviously it was quite useful because we get to know something about Don's world just that bit more. Mm. What it struck me is that maybe the titles are rolling over those first five five pages. Yeah. So yeah. like you know you kind of we're in the world we know what Don's Don's world's like we have understanding Don's story. But we're also getting the titles over with, uh, and somehow it kind of means the real film, if you like, starts at the point still where he walks through the door in the into the grin joint. But uh, yeah. I don't know whether that was a thought you had. Yeah, I think so. I think me. I mean, we could maybe have a compromise where we could keep those scenes, but they're condensed into, like you say, almost a montage opening where we get a taste of Don in a pub environment where he's doing a gig in a pub. We get a taste of him uh, in his office because it was also quite um, helpful to see Don struggling through that life. And in, in, in there's yeah. in the opening scenes, you know, there's the kind of thing happening where he goes and brushes his teeth. You know, after he does the gig in the pub, he goes and brushes his teeth in the in the toilets. Yeah, uh, yeah. Without trying trying his best not to be found out because he's going to go back to sleep in his car that night. And you know the same thing when he goes to work in the in the morning at the office, he has to brush his teeth in the office because he's just come straight from his car. So you do get that kind of sense of his struggle, and it also sets you up to know that Don's character is one he perseveres through. He keeps this going. Kind of yeah. Trouble. yeah, he kind of keeps going. So knowing that about him is just helpful when you kind of send it when we when we send him into that club for for the for the meat of the film it's good to know that backstory of him yeah that he is this kind of character who who he does struggle but he is he he kind of he's a he's hard a worker he grafts. yeah yeah um, and we also got we talked a little bit about it in the last episode um but we also definitely get a sense of Emma's uh, enhancement in her character that she's Great, this yeah. kind of live streaming blogger. You know, she's like the new, she's Generation Z. Yeah. Um, uh, hyper kind of uh, tech uh, aware. So I think it's breathed a huge amount of life into her story. Great. Yeah. And, and Benny and Benny as well, I kind of feel like he's kind mm. of, he's come a, come a long way because he's not such a caricature Yes, sure. Uh, at the start of the film, he comes across as this kind of quite street, very kind of um, hard-nosed, kind of super alpha male comedian. Yeah. Um, and the caricature-ness, if that isn't such a word, but the kind of caricature... Well, you just made it up. He, I've just made that word up, yeah. The kind of caricature that he presents at the very start of the film, we realise is only in place because he wants it to be there because it's good for business. You know, it gets it's, gigs, it's, yeah. It's, it gets him gigs. No, no, no one really wants to know his um, true persona, which isn't as funny. I, I remember when I was um, doing stand-up, I, I knew this stand-up comedian who it was, it was a white guy he came from quite an affluent background or upper middle class background and he really that really struggled him he would bring it up on a number of occasions he was like i'm yeah. just my life's just not very funny i really have to search for things to make people laugh about because because he as a person didn't carry that kind of pathos that often really brings about uh, in you know um a connection with an audience when you're doing stand-up comedy um so Benny is very much now this kind of character where what we see up front of the film isn't necessarily what his true character is, and that is revealed yep. by the end by the end of the story. No, I, I like that a lot. I think it it really breathes life into this kind of idea that there's you know we're all uh, we've all got a persona, and that persona mm. is both 
there to uh, deal with our kind of day-to-day dealings with other people, but also uh, how we sell ourselves to the world and how we potentially make a career. And you have to kind of invent a character, a brand or what have you to that fits in with uh, commercial in a way uh, imperatives and stereotypes to um to manage to kind of you know get some sort of uh, foot on some kind of ladder so i thought it was a really i think it was a good it's a really good development in the script oh. but we've 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 got a we've got a guest arriving quite soon we do yeah oh, this is the first a, a, yeah yeah i mean i was but funny enough me mentioning rami just then who yeah. will very probably be shooting the old man as recently worked with our mate haddy who we're going to have on the show right now yeah and i mean this is a first, this is an experiment and we've not not had a guest and we, we've left it quite kind of um we've left it quite live i feel like with his like saturday afternoon watching grandstand where the potential for <laughs> for like uh, digital and, and what have you cock-ups could well arise as part of this uh, podcast i know it's very exciting so and, do, do we need to do a bit of an intro about haddy because he's, well, he's very, i mean i mean what yeah, i think about haddy is he's very much in the spirit of what we are talking about he's yeah. as an individual very much a diy indie filmmaker but you know that probably doesn't do him justice in the fact that he 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 makes quite large scale very ambitious feature films that that star quite in, incredible talent well yeah i mean we've both worked for him uh, in various capacities and i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit when we when we get him on on the uh, video conference provider of our choice at the moment um uh but uh, yeah i think with with Addy, he's always um been writing scripts that you could imagine would be a Hollywood movie, but then mm-hmm. somehow getting them made uh, on a low budget without studio or um, corporate sort of backing. So that's, that's yeah. I think, going to be a really interesting topic to kind of go into because, you know, we're all... So, I mean, I, I feel like, in a way, our kind of film, maybe we don't have the same commercial impulse in no. terms of the films that we want to make as in you know we're not necessarily aiming at a hollywood style audience but or a hollywood style story but the fact that you could get something made uh at a sort of low uh, low budget potentially for certainly in comparison to the hollywood world and do it really with no boss you know uh, nobody, absolutely nobody's saying this is what you've got to do this is when you've got to do it this is how I want the story to be. Right. And that old dust to me is like a really, it's going to be really interesting for our listeners to sort of go into that. So it, 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 it will, because another amazing thing about Hadi, which is, I mean, the man has balls of steel in a way, because like we say, he's making films on what you would, what you would probably consider industry standards, very low budgets, but he's writing very ambitious scripts that are aiming themselves to compete at quite high levels with big Hollywood action thrillers, uh, yeah. you know, one film he's made is quite very much an action thriller. Yeah. One is very much kind of heisty, kind of romp comedy. Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, it's not necessarily the genres that either of us would go for. And, you know, it's uh, everybody has their own sort of taste. And it does sort of break the rule book a little bit in terms of what, you know, there's a lot of ideas that we've, you know, from those Robert Rodriguez sort of books as in yeah. make, a food, make a movie, with stuff you already own, make a movie in a location that you you know you can get, and tell us create a story around what you already have, which is a lot of those DIY filmmaking kind of rules. 
He kind of doesn't necessarily do that. Although in this recent film, which would be really exciting to talk to him about, he has pulled off a great deal of production value from from what I've seen of it. And I've watched yeah. it in bits and pieces. He's a great deal of production value um, with very little resources. So um, it'll be an interesting chat. This podcast has been. <laughs> you are currently on yeah. hold. Uh, yeah, and while we are on hold, I've just realised where well, we are. We this is again a really good excuse to have sort of daytime drinking. Um, mm. I, uh, I'm really in, in isolation drinking now because uh, that doesn't mean I'm drinking on my own, which cause, cause we're which drinking are, you are though. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, we are. Yeah, we're sorry. drinking together, but, um, yeah. I'm not even on the gin anymore because we ran out of gin about two weeks ago at home. So now I have, uh, a vodka and tonic. That's as close as I'm getting. That's all right. Well, I've done a proper martini. I've got a martini. Oh, you keep the standards so high. So high. Oh, I just, you know, yep. I, I, I'm, I'm smashing the martini. I'm just really jealous, basically. <laughs> well, I'm not keeping the standards up at all. It should be the it's... producer's job to make sure standards are high. But unfortunately, I'm just going for budget. I'm going for the authenticity here. We're staying, yeah. staying with you, Louis. Yeah, oh, Louis there still in 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 spirit, and and uh, even though not the correct spirit with me, you've got the correct spirit of Louis. Oh, I know what Haddy's doing. We did we did we did brief him, didn't we, about the whole the, to the Louis yeah. Brunwell gin element, didn't we? But uh, he's not he's not a big drinker. Uh, no, he's probably not a big pour your own drinker. He, I, he does. I he does. He gets drunk quite quickly. It might make for an entertaining podcast. I mean, it's always going to be entertaining anyway with Haddy. But um, yeah, I mean, I do I do remember like the day. Before Boris said, uh, our Prime Minister, for those mm -hmm. in Wyoming who don't know who he is, um, I, the day that he said, you know, you're not allowed to um, to go out and, uh, you know, sort of do anything unnecessary anymore, effectively social distancing, was the day I got an email from Mark saying, are we still going around to Haddie's to do the podcast and drink gin? <laughs> and both me and Haddie were like, no, stay at home. Uh, you got we, yeah, rest? that's right. We were supposed to be doing this interview in Haddie's house, weren't we? Because yeah. that, that, that was the idea. We were supposed to go around, yeah. look at a, a viewing copy of his latest watch his movie, film, yeah. watch his movie, and then we could talk about it. So it's a shame. I haven't seen the, I've only seen his, like he did a little kind of sizzle reel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it looked fantastic. It looked so good. It it's looked incredibly really good. good. And what's amazing about it is it's been shot on certainly more like a documentary camera, but it really doesn't mm. look it. It's been shot, you know. Uh, well, I'll let Hadi talk about it, but it's yeah. uh, it, it's it looks really good considering I know that the budget is I don't know the budget specifically, but it ain't what you would expect it to be. Let's put it that way. So absolutely. Um, yeah. right, I'm gonna send him a message and see how he's getting on, seeing if he's figured it out or not. Talk amongst yourselves. You are in a queue. <laughs> we appreciate your listening. And we'll be with you very shortly. <laughs> you are listening to DIY Simcult. You 
this guy's I've audio got, connected. Howdy. I've got iPhones. Hey. Oh. <laughs> oh, look at this. Oh. Hey. How you doing, Haddy? Hello, look at this. Love, love, love in the time of Corona. Yay. All we've got is a picture of the words iPhone 2, mate. Can we see your face? We need to see the beard. Yeah, come on. We've been hearing the... about the beard. Why do you want to see? I don't want Zoom. I've heard there's security issues. Oh, get out. Come on. We're all... I've got Let's see the beard. Phone. Come on, we've got to see the beard. We can't We can't have a proper conversation. Let's <laughs> come on. How do I the do beard. that then? Hadi, uh, just... put, put some clothes on and turn the video on. <laughs> well, no, you'd be surprised how close you are to the truth that one, Mark. <laughs> okay, hold on. Here we go. What's this? Go Camera. On. Here Camera. we go. The suspense is oh. killing us. <laughs> <laughs> so here he comes. Look at that beard. It's astonishing. Oh, my God, Hadi. Look at that. Right, let me take a picture. It's amazing. Oh, no. So, so Hadi, how's it going? How's the, how's the new film going? How's your cut and everything? Is I, I'm actually downloading it to, you know, you're going to love this, right? Yeah. My internet is so crap that I've got, I have to go and nick internet from people. So yeah. I send Moses with my laptop to literally, he's parked outside the post house right now <laughs> in Covent Garden, <laughs> uploading my film. And they don't know I'm uploading at the post house. I'm nicking their internet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking joke, isn't it? What a joke! <laughs> this is, but this sort of suits the uh, the topic of our our, our uh, podcast yeah. very well. The fact that we're all kind oh, of have pirates. Have we started? Have we started? Yeah, this like, is we're it. Rolling. We're, we're rolling. Time, we're rolling. We're rolling. Behave, right. behave yourself. Behave yourself. <laughs> right, I'm going to make my voice deeper. I'm going to be sensible. Yeah, right. we'll fix it all in post, don't we? But it, okay. it, it does suit the uh, the uh, topic of the podcast really well because this is the sort of pirate sort of attitude that you need to exactly. kind of get your film made. Steal the Wi-Fi, you know. Steal, steal the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, um, Sky basically said to me, "Yeah, you've got a fault on your internet. We need to come and visit your flat, but we can't come and visit your flat because we're prioritizing old people." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you're looking a bit rougher. I've got to say with the beard. So. <laughs> you should have done the video link to them. They would have sent this guy, Sky Guy, around straight <laughs> so, but Yeah, look, here's the film. Look, there it is. Look. Oh, hey. look. There it is. Man he's great. I like that actor. What's his name? Uh, Con O'Neill, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's great. He was in um, Chernobyl. Yeah, that's it. He's in Chernobyl with a perm. That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That was great. So, uh, so... So it's just so let's before we start talking about the film, let's just give a quick potted history. So where where did us lot meet? And so you know we've been we go back quite a while now. So what can you what can you tell us about uh, when we yeah. met? So wow. basically, we were I was when I was making proper money <laughs> 10, 11 years ago. Was it or more? No, it was more. I think it's it's definitely more. I think yeah, it's probably About fourteen years ago. Yeah. I was doing a lot of um, corporates, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. And I needed, yeah, and I needed like animators, and we put the word. Oh, bang dang dong now. That we got it through your. Yeah. Who is it? Oh, you know, we, no, we don't need to mention specific names. <laughs> we lost you for a second there, Hattie, but you're back. Don't worry, you're back. But yeah, I mean, so so both Mark and I used to do animation and post production stuff for 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 your for the corporate stuff. But then also, we went on to film. I seem to remember a time when there was a lot of Wii tennis being played in in an office in Soho. Bit yeah, that was that was after we were first started, didn't we? In um, where the fuck was it? Knoll Street? Not was it off Knoll Street? Off yeah. Knoll Street? What's that opposite Frame Store? 
Yeah, so, oh, so yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were in the heart of no, London's yeah, yeah. Opposite hip, yeah. We were in the heart of London's hip Soho, feeling like we were, <laughs> kind of, you know, young media professionals, kind of living at large in the middle of uh, Soho. But um, yeah, but, uh, and you met me, and you thought, who the fuck is this dodgy? <laughs> and what the fuck is he up to? I know what you two were thinking at the time. <laughs> and and our opinion has never changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we, and I just, DVDs of Puritan. Just yes, re- I remember. And you, you had mm. posters of it on the wall, I seem to remember. Yeah. So was Puritan made before that time when we it all met? It was literally just before, just before. Yeah. And then you guys came along and then... I the rest is dead. history. The rest is history. And then we did all that, and then a few years later, we did uh, clean skin, didn't we? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so tell us about. Uh, so, you, how many films have you made now in terms of feature films? I have no idea. You tell me. Uh, you, One, no, you, two. I'm the podcast interviewer, and you're the. I, I'm, <laughs> I've actually got your like a pro podcaster that I am now. I've got, yeah. I've, got I've got your IMDb right here. So, all right. Oh okay. yeah, let's have a look. Because I don't. <laughs> He's gone a bit oh, like an old junglist tune from the sort of nineties now. <laughs> We're having a few technical glitches from Hadi's iPhone. You've gone a bit junglist massive. <laughs> we may have lost him. Uh, he might have to uh, log back in again. Puritan was his first feature, so we'll have to ask him about how what yeah. that was like kicking that one off because he had bloody David Soul in that. He did, yes, indeed, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I've got an interesting story. Nick Moran as well. Nick Moran is in that. Nick Moran was in that as well. Um, oh, here we go. I think he's logging back. Oh, in. he's back in. Hadi, he's back in. Here oh, he's here. He yeah, is. you're back. You're back. No Sorry. problem. Sorry, it told me it was connecting, and it took yeah, no away. Okay, ask, ask questions. Yeah. I'll shut up. I'll no, so we were just talking about Puritan. So we were just chatting about that film because you had some. You had like David Soul in it, Nick yeah. Moran. You had some proper talent in there. Tell us about how, as a first feat, you call that your first feature proper. What was it like kicking that project off, and how did you go about doing that? I was in like more. Oh, this uh, is going to be one of those episodes. You might have to just yeah get Moses to take you to the to the, to the post house. Haddy, do you want to dial in with just audio? Maybe we don't need to see the beard anymore. That might be less bandwidth. Hello, Hello. ah, there he is. Okay, I can see you, but you and you can hear me. Okay, so that's, good. that's fine. Yeah, like we'll, we'll yeah. keep it. We'll keep it simple. Your the band. We were saying good. the bandwidth taken up by your beard is obviously overwhelming your Sky <laughs> internet. Um, yeah. So right, shit internet. Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, okay, purity. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was. It was okay. Well, it was the first time I'd worked with like you know proper actors. Mm-hmm. And we shot it in in uh, Shepperton. Wow. When they were making Batman. Wow. So Batman had pretty much the entire studio, and we had one little studio where they were storing all the Batman shit. Yeah. Wow. So they removed all the Batman shit for us. It was, it was shit. It was literally shit that Batman had. <laughs> yeah. He does a lot of shit, Batman. He just shits all the time. <laughs> it was just like junk, yeah. you know, it was junk. And they moved, and we shot, we built the entire house in this little tiny studio. Yeah. yeah. Remember our production designer, uh, uh, Aaron. I'm sure you remember him well. Yes, and, indeed. Um, yep. Uh, and it was a nice day. We kept it very dark. It was meant to be like a dark movie. My DOP was a film school graduate pal with me. It was uh, uh, Peter, and um, yeah, it was you know it was like D 
doing something and but still doing it very independent because we had like little rooms and it was a bit chaotic but you know we we um it was good yeah it was good good experience to see how it all worked how, how long was how long was your shooting period how, how long did it take in, in total I, I think about three weeks three weeks and something i don't know I can't really remember, but about three weeks and a bit. Which, I mean, for a, for any kind of feature is really fast, actually, isn't it? Uh, three weeks? or It is, it is, it is. But remember, it was all pretty much all in this little house we built. Yep. And was that... And we didn't even, couldn't afford floor. So we had this carpet, which we throw into every shot, this oriental carpet. <laughs> so, and I mean, every time there was a shot... <laughs> We'd throw the Oriental rug in, but we couldn't afford uh, wallpaper. We just we stenciled wallpaper. Did, did, did you have uh, film critics going? I wonder what the Oriental carpet means. <laughs> what is he saying there? <laughs> exactly, and uh, yeah, so it was good. I know we had like a big one, big extras day, which was all the people who participated in the movie came to watch yep. it. Came were extras, and you know we also got a lot of free extras. It was a big crowd scene, about 70 people. Uh, yeah, it was good. I mean, Puritan was good, but um, still small scale, you know, still small yeah. scale and stretched. And we shot it on film as well. Uh, how the hell did you get Hutch in it? It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, everyone is very worried in the independent world about getting actors. And yeah. What you don't seem to kind of... Nobody understands with actors. They don't work all year. They kind of work maybe three or four months of the year if they're lucky. Yeah. And there are other times they're just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. So you just need to approach them. And if you get them at the right time, you get them. You know, we're not talking like lots of mega stars or anything, but most really good actors aren't doing much half the year. Yeah. No, no. That, that, so you shouldn't worry about approaching name actors. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite an interesting idea. I mean, um, what, and what's your kind of tactic when it, you, you have a way of finding out their agents and then go through that route? Is that how you do it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, all, yeah, you just, you know, just, you know, you find out who you're, did I have a casting director on? Yes, I yeah. did. I had a casting director on that. Um, I can't remember her name. She does TV a lot. Nice, nice woman, but I completely forgot. Janice Jaffa. Yeah, good name. Janice Jaffa. And um, she was really nice. She helped me out. And uh, we got most a good cast. And even for the smaller parts, we got good cast. Yeah. And I brought in some of the cast from my previous film. Mm. But yeah, it's you just basically if you have a casting director, it helps because um, you're not like some twerp off the street. Yeah. Because first of all, it shows that you can afford a casting director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then secondly, if the casting director is calling an agent, yes, it's different than you calling the agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They take them seriously, and uh, yeah, so yeah, then we did that, and then Clean Skin was the proper kind. It was like. After a few years working on the corporates with uh, you and uh, Aaron, then we, I started thinking, okay, I've got to do this. I can't be stuck in... You know, I got myself together on my feet a bit yeah. uh, at that time. And then I said, okay, time to make another so movie. Clean Skin was kind of like an action thriller. You had Sean Bean, Charlotte Rampling, yeah. James Fox. I mean, yeah, that was really good. It was great. Uh, Clean, Clean Skin, as you know, was a very tough shoot, Mr. Trender. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do remember. You do remember because you were there, weren't you? Most, were you there all the time? Not, not all the time, but yeah, certainly dipping in and out on occasions because I was kind of yeah, more yeah, on the post-production yes. side a bit more on that one. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, stuff. yeah, we shot that, we shot that like in January fucking freezing it was a really horrendous shoot mm. and um yeah that was good like working with sean who was lovely working with charlotte who was great working with james fox it was great and you know it's like 
it's a proper movie and we we got it together it was very tough and um there's all sorts of stories but you can't I bore the shit out of you with uh, all the shit that happened. Can't, you can't bore anybody more than we bored everybody for the last five, five episodes. <laughs> we sold it to Warner Brothers, like an independent movie. Mm. They hardly buy any independent yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that is a fantastic thing about that that film is that the success that it was, the fact that you did, you did exactly what you set out to do was to build, make a film, build a film that was then had had a value that, you know, companies like Warner Brothers really wanted to buy into, I guess, right? Yeah, let me I'll tell you something interesting about that, gentlemen, in that the sales agents, you know when you get a movie, I don't know if people listening, does anyone listen to this? Yeah, podcast? yeah, we've got, we've got they're, they're in the tens, uh, but maybe may, may into the, the hundreds quite soon. Right? Okay, all right, good. Uh, so basically, you get a sales agent when you make a movie. Don't approach distributors right. because they'll eat you alive and they won't take you seriously. Yeah. Or, and they'll eat you alive. Yeah. Um, and if you're, if, if you're going to them directly, they think, what's wrong with this guy? He's either stupid or there's something wrong with this film. Right, right. So you go to a sales agent and they're the middlemen and they know all the buyers. They go to all the markets and festivals and you show them the movie. And if they like it, they take it on to take out into the marketplace or markets around the world and sell it i took it to every fucking sales agent in town <laughs> and every one of them turned it down <laughs> every one of those fuckwits turned it down yep. apart from the last one i showed it to and um but you drugged just before they took it on they loved it and they were really <laughs> enthusiastic and I was like, fucking hell, because, you know, remember, remember we went to Paris and we showed it to a sales agent, Aaron. Oh, yeah, I've totally forgotten about that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, we showed it to a sales agent in Paris and a really good sales agent, and uh, they turned it down and uh, as well. But we had a few nice drinks <laughs> on Montmartre. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so then, yeah, then I, uh, yeah, so then we got this sales agent and they took it on. They were really enthusiastic and... Uh, they took it on, and we sh we had a screening, a UK screening to all the distributors, and all of them showed up, and uh, and I had cut a trailer as well beforehand to send to all the sales agents who turned it down, so I sent this trailer and whatever. Anyway, we had this screening, and every distributor bid for it, everyone. Wow. Now. What does that tell you about the knowledge of the sales agents yeah. who turned my film mm, back? Yeah. Well, what does that tell you in general? It tells you that, you know, they supposedly know what they're doing, but really, you know, that old cliche, nobody knows anything. They don't, nobody knows anything in this business. Mm. Yeah. And so every distributor turned it down. I'm sorry, every distributor bid for it. Yep. Warner Brothers bid, and we went with them because they're a studio. Yep. It's very good to get a studio because, number one, they're reliable in paying you. Mm. And it's really great because if Warner Brothers have bought it, suddenly everyone goes, oh. It's got a big right? name. It's got Warner's. And that was just for UK, right? Yep. Yeah. So UK and uh, some others. Because you sell films by territory. Mm. So following the Warner Brothers UK acquisition, did, did then other kind of territories fall in line? Yeah, so what happened was, uh, because we had Warner's studio take it, then we took it to an international place, and that was in the AFM. Mm. Which was in, What's in that LA for, our, for our listeners? What does AFM stand for? American Film Market, which goes on around 
is it Christmas Christmas time? I think I'm not sure. December or something. And like so there's that. big there's big film markets all over the world where people are basically yeah. showing their movies and bidding them. What are the big ones that people might have sort of remember? Well, I don't about? know. You know, like AFM is very kind of commercial. There's other types of markets. You know, there's markets that go along at the same time as Cannes. Yep. There's markets that go along at the same time as other festivals. Is but AFM is not a festival. It's strictly a market. Okay. So it's right. quite you know, busy, busy, busy. So anyway, we took it there and we had an international screen for all the other countries and everywhere we, we sold every territory. Wow. So because we announced, what we did was we announced, I think two weeks or three weeks before the AFM, we announced that Warners had bought it, which then attracted all the buyers. Yeah. Uh, because then they knew about it. Oh, Warners suddenly is on the radar. And then everyone like, you know, went for it and... So you'd get, I'd get a call from the sales agent telling me this person's bid for it, that person's bid for it. We're just negotiating, da 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 da. And yeah, so we sold the movie around the world, and um, and then they released it. But again, you know, it's, it was like a small film. So when you release a movie with the studio, they're really in control. You don't have much say. What happened then? What happened? Blue Iguana, and it took you know a good few years to get a lead, the, the lead to that film. You know, basically. I think I, sh- I I wanted to get an American name, mm-hmm. so I waited. At that point, when I was sending the script out to people via casting director, I got a call from one of the c- actors who had approached manager, and that manager liked the script and wanted to sign me up. So that was good. Right. So you and via that via that person. It was very helpful to have them on board because it eased getting an American name instead of you being a clown out of nowhere. Right, right, mm. yeah. Right. Even though we still had a very you know good casting direction, whatever, that helped. And uh, the manager helped quite a hell of a lot. Mm. Really good guy. And um, then we got we got Sam and uh, off Sam. We ben, uh, Sam suggested Ben because they'd worked together before yes so that's sam rockwell for our listeners sam rockwell yeah, yeah sam rockwell and, 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 uh, and, and ben years, schwartz that, to be honest right? ben yeah. schwartz yeah to be honest i wished i hadn't waited that long because i have a theory i'm i am i was always five years behind my uh in my career mm-hmm. yeah right <laughs> at school <laughs> and man, now i'm 10 years behind yeah <laughs> now i'm 10 years behind where i want to be right right, right. Because it took so long to get that thing, and I don't think I should have waited that long. I should have, yeah, I should have, you know, done it quicker. I really should have. But, uh, mate, what can you do? Right. See, Blue Iguana was a film that I, I tried something really different with it. I was intentionally meant to look, you know, clunky, not framed nicely. I would intentionally ensure the shots didn't look nice. I would intentionally ensure that uh, the plot deviated in, in an unusual way. Yeah. So, and it was, basically it was harkening back to these films that I loved, these um, the movies from the 80s, uh, Breathless, Something Wild, yep. uh, that basically never stuck to a kind of rigid pattern. They deviated, and they were clunky in their editing, and they looked cheap but great. So what I tried to do with the one was make it look kind of, in a strange way, rough, clunky. I avoided framing shots nicely. And as a result, I think what people saw was a film that was badly put together, Mm. uh, a film that didn't follow a good script, 
but all that was it, it, intent, it was intentional so it kind of it, it backfired and uh, that was what I wanted with it but I, I stand by that film uh, big time because I, I really I really you know I'll stand by that film and I mean I guess it's just as a as a, you know the producer of a film is is bringing in money wherever money can be brought in so it might be co-production it might be a broadcaster but or it might be lots of independent um uh people putting their own money in and a, or a combination of all of those things i seem to remember in lost in la mancha that film about terry gilliam making uh, the man who t- killed don quixote Mm. him having a day when all the investors came to the that's, set that's and right to be about yeah i remember that 40 of them i mean i suppose with terry gilliam he's outside of the hollywood system in a sense and he and that, yeah. that film he was making in europe we can probably chat about him a little because you've you've made you're making a documentary about him yes. now aren't you Hattie? yeah 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 um but yes. so so, may, so maybe he's kind of doing what you're doing but on a slightly kind of slightly inflated well, I mean, scale to be honest with to be honest with him up but that's how pretty much a lot of film funding is this is, it's a DIY cinema podcast for DIY filmmakers. The DIY Cinema Cult. Yeah, the thing is, listen, you two, I'm, I have a bone to pick with you two. <laughs> I thought this was coming. Yeah, yeah you We're two, about to be honestly, told off, you deserve, we? Yeah, we are. You two absolute pair of degenerates right <laughs> what are you doing what are you doing well, currently I in our sh- my you. shed I sat, I sat listening to your first podcast <laughs> and i was fucking swearing at the fucking i was like what the hell are these two guys talking about i mean generally what are you doing what, what do you mean Hadi? what should we be doing what would you rather we want, we want your wisdom give us your wisdom <laughs> give us our right. you're our obi-wan yeah, kenobi you sit there yeah you see you sit there and you, you're like, this is this is what it cracks me up about YouTube. <laughs> you've got our cameras. You've got the latest camera. Aaron has got every gadget under the sun, right? He's got cameras. He's got lights. The technology is so advanced now. It's 4K or more, right? Whatever the hell it is, yeah. right? You've got Mark, who's a you know, who's a, you know, animator and can do CG work up to a really good point, you know, and and can do. Cr- Credits. They can do all sorts of things. You can do music. You basically have everything at your fingertips, right? Yeah. And you're sitting there in your shed, stirring gin and going, "How are we going to get this film made?" <laughs> I mean, it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, honestly, I just like was sitting there going, "What are they talking about?" Well, this is what I have to tell you. Okay, that, right? tell okay. us what what we need to do. What do we need to do? You see, this is the okay, purpose. Number of this one, no. What is the the script that you've done, right? right? What's the lowest you can make it for? We we put it on a piece of paper. We didn't want to say it on air, did we? But it's it's uh, we we figured out a number of days and an, and a minimum you could give yeah. people. And uh, okay, is it over? Is it near a hundred k? We lower. It's lower than that. We're, we're yeah. on. Okay, is it under fifty? It's no. Oh, getting warmer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so let me tell you something. Yeah. What you two have to do. If it's lower, if it's over 50K, I'll be brutally honest. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Please, Because I please. think you two need yeah, it. Yeah, we, okay? we need it. Okay. You, nobody's going to give you that money. Yeah. No. All right? Number one, you're sitting there talking. Let me tell you, fuck, let me have a fucking rant about this. <laughs> 
you're sitting there talking about Film London. Fuck them! <laughs> fuck Film London! Who gives a fuck about Film London? Do you know, you guys have more talent in your fucking toe than those morons, and you're sending them scripts to get their fucking feedback? <laughs> What the fuck is the matter with you? Why are you wasting your time with these idiots? <laughs> Honestly, it's just a, beyond me. It's beyond me what you're so fucking... Why are you waiting for these idiots? Who cares? Have you seen the films that they've made? This, pod, this no, podcast is sponsored by Film London. Made, they're terrible. <laughs> no, I haven't finished ranting. Hold on. <laughs> Let me tell okay, you f- something. F- you can ask me... F- finish your rant. Finish your rant. Go for it. Go on. Yes. So listen, I'm feeling scolded. Nobody is going no to one's going to give us 50 grand. Over 50 no. grand. Nobody. Because number one, not because you're not talented. You don't know who the fuck you are. Yeah. It's a complete risk. Yeah. Right? It's a total risk. And you have to understand, people only invest if they think that they're going to get something back. You are unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? The, the pot in that film London and whatever other stupid avenues that are available is tiny. It's, it's evaporated. usually controlled by people. Yep. Huh? It's, it's evaporated as well, as far as I can see. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Who mm. cares? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Right? Good. I hope so. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you have to basically think nobody's going to give you that money. Yep. So what do you have to do? If you two want to genuinely make a film, genuinely, and not just talk about it, actually want to make a film, yeah. you have to do it yourself. Yep. Yeah. That's your first film. And you have to get yourself out there. So what I would suggest you two doing is put that script aside, mm-hmm. get your get your heads together and go, right, how much money can you and I get together? Mm-hmm. I understand you have families yeah. and mouths to feed and rent, right? <laughs> but you have to sit there and go, whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't matter. If it's 10 grand or 20 grand, you go, right, if you make this, you, you then tailor make an idea with the money that you have. You have everything at your disposal. There's no excuses anymore about not making a film. Yep. You've got all the equipment, anything. You can basically wrap posts, do all the posts yourselves yeah. and wrap it all up. You know, So that's what I would suggest you do. I put that script aside, write a script that's really simple. That can be done. That can still be cinematic and film. It can be clever. I mean, look at uh, Upstream Color. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, Upstream Color, is, I think, is a perfect film. Now, supposedly the budget is what fifty or sixty k or something. K, yeah. That's probably, yeah, but that's probably after he sold it with deliverables or whatever. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? He shot that with his camera on his own. With his it was mates, a GH two, you know? I think. He shot it with a proper exactly. Lo-fi, yeah. I, little side story. I emailed him. I found his email. I emailed oh, yeah. him. I said, I said, hey Shane, I loved your film. I'd love to ask you a few questions. And within five minutes, he responded. He goes, what can we talk about? So I gave him a list of questions and he never emailed back. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he made his first, the feature but, before that for 17 grand. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Exactly. He shot it in seven days or yeah. something. Something insane what was the name like of that. that? Uh, Primer, yeah, Primer, which yeah. is fantastically kind of confusing and, un- un- and unwatchable, but kind of, you know, yeah. like a head fuck film. But yeah, so you have to go to yourselves and this is, you have to look at yourselves realistically here. <laughs> If you can get 20 grand, 10 grand, 5 grand, 20 grand, then you take two weeks out of your life and you go and you make the film. Then you sit and then you go back to resume your life. And then at least it's in the can and you can then take your time with the post or whatever. Yeah. But that's what you've got to do because you have everything. You've got more than I do. I couldn't do the music. I couldn't do the CGI. Yeah. I couldn't do the camera work. I can't do the lighting. You two can. 
Yeah. Oh, I feel kind of good and bad now. <laughs> this is a bombshell of a podcast episode. I'm glad we had you. <laughs> I feel I feel all empowered and all small no, at the same time. It's good. It's great. I cannot stand the British film industry for this very reason. Yeah. Everybody just sits there and fucking moans about what, why they can't. Oh, you say we'll make my film. Go out and make your film. There's no more excuses. Yeah. The camera and the equipment and the technology is up to such a standard now that it's like there's no excuse anymore. Yeah. yeah. And you have to have a vision where you tailor make it to that script. So if you want something visual and cinematic, well, you can if you tailor make the tailor made the idea to the budget. Yep. You know, Shane Carew's movie looks beautiful, I it think. It does. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it does fit the sort of style. There's a sort of surreal, sort of lo-fi, but still kind of very attractive look about it. Um, yeah. So, so this... So I would just, I would, that's what I would, I would, that's what I would suggest you do, because I'm telling you, no one's going to give you, don't sit there wasting your time about proposal, this and that. Because if you make a feature, you suddenly open up a world of opportunities to yourselves, because you can get into festivals, small festivals, you can sell it, People will watch it, and you know you'll be known as the guys who made that film, yep. mm. right? So, Whereas before now, you're just some pair of idiots like everyone else. Which you know? is get it. Of, of, we've been kind of painfully um, made to realise from from your last rant that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it. Look, look, I'm just saying. No, no, it's good. <laughs> you know, it's good. Listen, we need a bollocking. You're saying that. No, what I'm saying is you have everything. I don't have what you have. Yeah. I don't have Hair. all the stuff you have. <laughs> hair on our head. And the skills. You know, I don't have the skills that you guys have. Or the hair. Just all, you've got the hair on the face. Or the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Let me uh, let me call you straight back. Okay? okay. Cool. Okay. That's Mo. That's Mo on the line. He's still uploading the film. Fucking nicking the Wi-Fi off some. Post I feel it. so scolded. I feel like we. No, just, it's, probably, I, I think this. I think this is so good. This is so entertaining for me. And yeah. It, in a way, I can totally see what Hadi's saying. He yeah, is saying, yeah. look, if you're aiming, maybe we're aiming at this kind of middle le- middle level, way. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of possibly what what Hadi's saying is, look, that's unachievable. No one's going to give you, you're not going to find a bunch of investors to raise you 50 grand in the next yeah. six months a year. You need to do something that you can do for 10 grand. Yeah, uh, and then then you can do the next film. So in a way, it's sobering, and we don't want to hear it. But there's some real tr- truth there, or there's something to be taken for for sure. Yeah, it's, it. and I mean, I think just some somehow uh, that that it's this sort of comes from that same sort of thing, the Robert Rodriguez thing of like, you are a filmmaker. Here's the money. Here's what you can do now, right now. Go and do it. I mean, obviously. We're in a slightly different situation now because we're all in lockdown. But maybe there is still a movie, and we're, as we were talking about last week, maybe there is still a movie that we can make right now with with our current uh, yeah down status. I I think we've got uh, Headmasters coming back. It's here. coming back. Oh shit! Oh, I'm scared. Oh, here, here he is. Go. Oh no, we're going to get in trouble is. again. Yeah. Listen. So, I, are we lo- we were just... thing. No, go oh, on. God. oh God! Oh bloody hell! <laughs> go on, yes. Questions. So I'll tell you what we would we'd love to move it on to a little bit is the fact that you've got a film that's uh, that's in the can at the moment, and in fact, further down the line than in the can, you kind of cut it and almost graded it, and uh, and you know it's possibly one of your lower budget movies over the past sort of uh, four or five you've done, but 
is uh, is quite exciting, I think, in some ways. Can you tell us about uh, your your the one? Oh, why is it exciting? Well, I, I'd like you to talk about it. I think it's exciting. It's exciting <laughs> to me, I suppose, because in a way, um, from what I've seen thus far, it's got a kind of tightness about it that uh, maybe other ones were were aiming oh. very high, and this one feels Ooh. like it's quite minimal. But anyway, but you, what, what, tell us all about this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically we're just now we're in the. Um sound design and score stage everything's done on yep. films but it's a real kind of a filmic thing for me because i wanted to make a film with very little dialogue yep and uh, just told in pictures and a, you know a thriller and um yeah it was it was good we shot with a what's the film called, it's called don't really leave me from... it's like a revenge yep. thriller an art a common arty slightly arty revenge thriller Right. Yep. as there's hardly any dialogue in the movie it's very very sparse dialogue if you know not much and um and yeah so we i got it together it was again perfect example of having a budget and suiting the idea to that budget mm-hmm. right which I think... so it's what you i was suggesting you to do you know yep. so it's just a matter of going well i've got this much this is what i'm going to do with it right and yeah. it's got to be, there's always, when you make films at this level and also at the level I'm saying you two should, you've got to have something interesting that separates it from other other things, you know? Something that's just different. So my thing was, it's pretty much told in visuals, right? Right. Yep. So that's how I think it's quite interesting. It's, it's a moody movie. It's reliant on picture, sound and visuals. So, and also the great thing is, you know, you don't have to worry about sound quality because sound quality is usually terrible on low-budget films. Mm-hmm. Um, so the dialogue, so it's all about atmospheres and and also pulled a lot of, ton of favours from everybody, from all my friends and, you know, uh, and uh, who took part in it. And, uh, and now it's in the can and, uh, yeah, so it was good. It was good, good fun. It was good. I'll never do it ever again. Uh-huh. Yeah. What? What was? Why, why not? Yeah. What? What's the? What's what, what, that, that budget level? I don't want to work. I'm tired of working this way. I mean, even on the other films, I always feel like I'm. What's the word? Uh, struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to overreach, and uh, and I don't want to work that way. I want it like a a really good. I want to make a film with a really good budget, and what what you sacrifice for that is maybe less control. Yeah, I was going to say, Hadi, actually, because I had a question. Of- going back to Blue Iguana, like yeah. you you getting Sam Rockwell to be in that film, I mean, first off, doing it completely DIY and independently must have been an absolute scream to kind of land him to be in your film first off. But then did that actually impact pressure-wise on the film production, knowing that you didn't have all the money in the world? Was Did that end it's up... It's always, becoming... it's always, look, every film, at whatever level you do, you're always struggling to, yeah. you know, with budget. Whatever level it is, you always want to go bigger. So if you have this much money, you're always trying to aim for higher things, and it's always a struggle. So, so going, kind of going back to the current film, um, and maybe, mm. what are your hopes? We're, we're in lockdown at the moment. So has, this, has yeah. this given you the potential to kind of tweak things that maybe you weren't going to be tweaking or look at things again? Not really. I mean, it's, it's quite... I mean, we strangely been quite lucky in that we shot it. I did it really, and I was done around kind of Jan, uh, December time, mm-hmm. and we graded it in January very early. And um, then basically I started looking for the composer and the sound designer. And Andre, my sound designer, was busy on something yep. else. 
so that took like a month or month and a half of waiting for him. And he's on it now, so he's halfway through it. And so is the score composer, this girl, this Irish woman, uh, Sarah Lynch, who's brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, and everything is being done remotely. Yep. All right. So basically, all the score I get, you know, sections of score from her. Listen to it. I send her notes. Andre just does his thing, and I give him notes. And he pays no attention to anything I send. <laughs> <laughs> and Andre is the sort of link to Terry Gilliam, isn't he? As well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's Andre is like the kind of the missing invisible Python, isn't he? He's their sound designer on all all their records and early days and done most yeah. of their films. I, I heard him getting a name check in some Michael Palin interview. I saw yeah, on TV yeah. a, couple, a couple of weeks ago. They were talking about the, the Holy Grail. Exactly. And that, was, and that was Andre come up with the idea about the coconuts being knocked together to make the horses. <laughs> the horses. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, he so does. He's very, he's very instrumental good. in the kind, of the, the, the kind of comedy of Python, yeah. He is, and he also wrote, I think, Every Sperm is Sacred as well. So, <laughs> you know, so he's, he's a very good guy, good friend, very funny, very talented, uh, and looks like, like a melting Paul Bell. <laughs> 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 How is the Terry Gilliam documentary? Is that still going on? Is that still happening? Yeah, still no, but Terry's like, he's just constantly busy. He's just constantly yeah. all over the place. And now what we're doing, what are we, it's like, what the hell is this stupid situation we're in we're now? Stuck. What the fuck? You know? I mean, is there, because, you know, we're obviously all, we're, we're sort of, well, filmmaking is generally thought to be about going out and about and doing stuff in the world. But obviously there's a lot of it that's quite uh, solitary and it's sort of, in, yeah. at home and you know the writing process etc how, yeah, how yeah. do you see that this sort of lockdown is going to kind of create opportunities for filmmakers you know well you'd like to think look supposedly and this is a theory we hope it's correct i mean obviously all the production comes like netflix and amazon and nobody's shooting everything is shut down all the big movies are shut down con who's starring in the new batman right. movie that's just shut down. Everything is shut down. Not permanently, obviously, yeah. but they've had to yeah. stop because of this thing. Now, how the fuck are they going to... That's what I'm trying to get my head around, but I don't know. I mean, they'll know better than me, the studio heads. And how do you insure against coronavirus on a film yep. set? I don't think that's possible. I don't think they can. I was, I was chatting to, to Rami, who shot your, who shot yeah. your last film. <clears throat> and he was yeah. saying, he was saying, he basically put it as, I've just taken a 100% pay cut and I'm just sat at home and there's nothing that covers them for this. No with the companies, with the, with the production companies he's working for, he's on a drama at the moment that's just shut down and there's yeah. nothing they can do and they can't, they'd have no insurance to cover it. So everyone's just no. been sent home on no pay. Mm. That's it. I mean, I don't know how you would, you, you can't run a film set like a lab because you're always like up close to everybody and shooting and yeah. with extras and with actors and the crew and everyone's in each other's face, you know? And, you know, so I think it's going to have to be so but the, hopefully the, this, this, this horrible situation we're in may look maybe like companies are looking for products. Yep. Right? Yeah. And yeah. hopefully it's hopefully it becomes, you know, like a, a seller's market, you know, and that if you've got a good film, there's more interest in it then. Because Netflix have shut down everything. I think they were going to spend hundreds of millions like about the roles, a bunch of productions all over the world, weren't they? Yep. And, uh, that's not happening now. And I don't see it happening for another six months. No, no. I mean, particularly because right, right. it's such a staggered process all over the world that 
you know, Europe may come out of lockdown, but America won't yet be. And so anything where location is sort of important yeah. or cast or what have you are coming from different parts of the world is just not going to, it's going to take six months to get back up, uh, up to speed again, isn't it? But, um, I just, I don't see, I mean, even longer, I think the only way you're going to actually start filming again is when you get a vaccine. Yeah. Because who's going to, what are you going to do? You're going to get your people to sign waivers saying, you know the risk you're taking and if you die, you don't, you don't claim. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that. How do you do that? Yeah. How do you, how do you cover like yourself and go, well, we took all the necessary precautions. What? So you bring all the, you put them all in a studio and you don't let them leave the studio. Yeah, that's, that sounds like I a mean, nightmare. That's not going to no, happen. Exactly. So I don't think, you know, I think if they, uh, they got to get a vaccine, I think, yep. I think, and uh, I think you're looking at, what is it now? I think we're looking at like beginning of next year, maybe if they saw. Yeah. So is there already another project kind of bubbling away in the mind of Yeah, Hadi? I've written, um, I've written um, a modern day version of, um, that's a very loose adaptation of the Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Which, which is the plan was to, uh, you were going to do that one before this one, though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I wrote it, and yeah. uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because there's a few things happening. Mm -hmm. Sure. But, uh, yes, everything now has been scuffed by this fucking stupid thing. And, uh, but that's the one I want to make next. And that's set in America or North America somewhere and a Far Eastern country. Yeah. Because uh, you, you were scared. You were scouting Thailand last yeah, year yeah, or the year before, yeah, I, weren't I, you? I did. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to shoot it there because I love, you know, I, I was actually genuinely thinking, like literally just just now, I was before this shitstorm broke, I was going to just move there for the next eight months or a year. Yeah. And um, I want to shoot abroad, so I don't want to shoot it. I want to get away from filming in London. I've made every one of my films here, so I'd yeah. like to shoot some there. But that's a bigger budget. What, what what is your writing process then when you're kind of putting these scripts together? Is it just kind of slightly organic, happens over time, or do you have some... Mark, kind of I have no life. <laughs> Lockdown <laughs> means nothing to you, does it, really? It's... Lockdown means nothing to me. This is why I said, like, everyone has joined me. Yes, they've me. caught up with me now. Come into <laughs> Huddy World. This is the Basically, way I live. Yeah, this is it. I mean, you know, I'm like, uh, I, you know, you write a script, which takes a long time, it could be anywhere between four to eight months or even a year, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you try to make it and then you have a mad, mad like existence of shooting it with a bunch of maniacs, you know, for about a month or so. And then you're back into the, back into your hole with editing. Yeah. And then post and then sound design. And so really it's like this to me is no big deal. Yeah. And luckily, luckily we like finished our film way before this broke out. But I know Paul Schrader was, shooting a film and he was four days away from finishing oh, that's tough and uh they stopped it because one extra got coronavirus and he was furious he was saying there's always one isn't there he wanted to die on set you know he doesn't care why the hell are <laughs> yeah, <they? I> can... <laughs> yeah but i mean surely they did so, most of the rest of it right i mean five four days to go i don't know i don't think so he should, four days how the hell do you cover four days yeah. that's a lot What's your favourite part of the process, Hadi? What's your favourite bit of being uh, a filmmaker? You know, when I when I'm sitting there wearing uh, when I about two in the morning, I've got my pants on, which isn't often. No, <laughs> <laughs> there is no favourite part of the bloody film. Okay, it's just what I want to happen is I want a film to connect 
to have like just a little hit, not a big hit, not a huge hit, but like a little hit. I think that would be great. But I think, but the most enjoyable, I'll be honest with you, the most enjoyable is when you watch a film with an audience that reacts well to it. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing else beats that, you know. Yeah, I mean, we were talking a bit about the fact that, you know, making uh, films or televisual stuff generally, you don't have that direct audience uh, connection that you've made this thing in your bedroom mm. or wherever it is. Um, yeah. And then generally you never actually hear what people uh, think or, you know, you see some stuff online or you get reviews or whatever, but there's not that same audience reaction. But when you do go to a screening and you do have an audience sat there and they laugh at the right places or they gasp yeah. at the right places it's as good it's as close as it gets to you know like being in a band or something as in it's a, it a direct connection isn't it i mean it's great it is great it's the best best feeling especially if you get invited to a festival yeah. and you know you get people talking to you asking you questions about this film and uh that's mm. always good when they react positively to it you know all the other stuff yeah, the writing is fucking torture. The pro producing is fucking torture. The shooting is just a physical torture. Um, and the editing is a torture because you're staring at it going, this is terrible. Everything is fucking <laughs> grim. But, <laughs> but if you, and I haven't yet to experience it, I want to experience it where I've been fucking making films for years now. And I just want to, Nobody knows who the fuck I am. Do you know what I mean? And uh, well, yeah. after this podcast, it's not about me being famous. I'm not interested in being hell. famous. I just want the film. They'll know you in Michigan, mate. <laughs> yeah. After this podcast, mate, exactly. you'll be launched into the stratosphere. It'll be a whole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what I'm saying is, you, know, you just want a film to connect that goes connect with an audience yep. on a like like good small scale. Mm -hmm. You know, and I don't want to work at this level anymore. Like the next film I'm going to do, I'm not going to do this anymore. I cannot stand working like this anymore. Yeah. It's like I've gotten too old for this shit. The old cliche of a, you know, movie. Yeah. What what I admire about you, Hadi, is I, I remember when I was finishing up doing the uh, VFX on Blue Iguana, and we did the last couple of days, like the last week in your flat. Oh yeah. And you were just lying on the sofa and you looked kind of distraught and you were just like, I'm never, I'm never doing this ever again. And your phone was ringing yeah, 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 yeah. and you were, you were just like, you were going, Mark, I just, I hate, I hate this. I'm, not, I'm never going to do this ever again. And then I called you off about a month later and you're going, I've written another script off of Thailand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm scouting for locations. And I was going, yeah. my God. So obviously yeah, you're, what else, you're driven what else by do you that have love. To do, Mark? What, else do you, <laughs> what else can we do, right? You know, so you like films. You and Mr. Aaron like films. You want to make films. What else is there to do? Luckily, I've avoided having I mean. a family. Well, that's what I mean. It's really inspiring that you're just this kind of guy who's like, this is painful and I hate it, but I've just got to, I've just got to do it. You know, I kind of just keep having to do this. Yes. Well, I have no other choice. What else can I do? <laughs> is the other thing. Just go to Thailand and just enjoy yourself, I suppose. I was genuinely going to go. I was going to get out of this fucking flat and just go, right, I could live off here for another year and a half. And, I, and in a really amazing place. And I, I just like was thinking, and then suddenly it all broke, yep. you know? Yep. So the plan is for the next one is to get a good budget. And then I am actually going to, I am going to do what I'm saying. I am going to go to Thailand. And I'm going to do all the pre-production there and all the, everything and the post and maybe shoot in a North American somewhere, either Canada or something. 
but I'm going to do everything in another country. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm just sick to mm. death of being here. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the fuck's... I mean, what are you... So, are you going to do... Are you going to take my advice? That's the issue. I think we're going to definitely take elements of your yeah. advice. <laughs> we're, going to, <laughs> we're going to edit out the because rest I'm, of it. <laughs> we're going to edit yeah. out all the expletives. Yeah, but I'm being serious because, honestly, you're onto a hiding to nothing if, you're going to, if you think people are going to give you 50 to 100 grand to make a film. You're not, yeah. They're not going to do it. I know what these people are like. Yeah, you know, it's just not going to happen. You have to just do it. You got to go say to yourselves, right? In eight months' time, we have a two-week window. We'll get the money together by loans or whatever. We're putting money aside or credit cards, or whatever. The yeah. fuck it is. and just go right. We shoot it. Once you've shot it, guys, mm. you don't have to worry about it anymore. You can go back to your work and make money. You can start then playing with mm. it, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, but I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. I would advise you to keep it super low. Yep. Yeah, you know I, mean? I think Shane Curry was like, I read quite a lot about it and that he well, also what he did was he got a smaller, tiny amount of money, but it enabled him to shoot for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it was such a small crew and he really knew he zoned in on what he needed. Yep. So he yeah, was living with yeah. the actors and working with. Yeah, I think he ended up marrying the actress, didn't he? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there you go. So you I know it, he made cheap. all the music and stuff as well, didn't he? Did that, yeah. Yeah. And also, I wouldn't announce it. Once you, if you do decide on doing this, don't announce anything. Don't say anything. Mm. Just make it. And once it's done, then you can go out and you know. Yep. Yeah. So, Hadi, where can we see your films to to our many <laughs> to our, for our many listeners all over the world? Yeah, just go. And I think they're on Apple and places like that. And, uh, Apple yeah. movies, iTunes is it? iTunes and. Uh, yep. Amazon, they're all on Amazon, all those places, the usual places. And, and what about the next one? What What are your hopes with it? What are you thinking? What, what's the no, process? We want to sell it. We want to. We have to. So you go to the sales I agent want to sell it. and how to, uh, tell us, talk us through. Yeah, that yeah, have a sales agent uh, and sell it. You know, and hopefully this gap, where hopefully people need products, yep. we are coming in at the right mm-hmm. moment because we'll have it done by the end of. What is it now? April? Are we in yep. April? From the end of May, I think we'll be all done, dusted on it. Stick stuff, Hadi. Well, we feel suitably scolded and uh, at yeah. the same time emboldened. Uh, and mm. uh, we, we, we've got our, our work cut out, but our tails between our legs, but a certain uh, sort of boost at the same time from your, your, your yeah. wise words. So, uh, yeah, but you know, look, you're in a lockdown now. What more do you, what else do you have to do apart from? Well, it's yeah, yeah. It's, this is true. Although, yeah, two small children and, and Mark with a small child in the no, same excuses, house. Excuses, excuses. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, there's no excuse. It's script. You can do a script. I finished this script, by the way, in eight days. Yeah. I wrote it in eight days. I sat down and I went, really simple story, but I knew it was going to be nice visuals. And then I looked, I spent like two months getting the locations. Mm. Yeah, which because then I ensured that it would look nice, you know, as much as possible. Anything can look nice at this level, but I wrote it in eight days. And you got some amazing locations for this for comparatively ridiculously low sums. Uh, yeah, because they're all friends' places, you know, like the church we mm-hmm. got was a uh, really nice uh, people who ran it, gave it to us for a really low price. The farm that we got was a friend of a friend's farm. Uh, the guy on the farm had a plane whose friend whose friend kept the plane there we ended up using it that. pure luck and we filmed in summer yep so the, the sun and we got very lucky with the sunshine mm. uh, and we didn't film at night which is also very handy you don't have to kill yourself but it was a tough tough shoot and the crew were, were really good they you know persevered yep. 
I mean, you, you, there's the moment of the rushes where you see the film, uh, where we see this sort of plane coming in, and you're thinking, how on earth have you managed to get a plane <laughs> for this low-budget indie film? Uh, and you did tell me the story, but I think... Yeah, it was basically, we were walking around the farm that we were going to film in, and, you know, the, the farmer, the guy who runs the farm, who's a friend of actor, Robin, you know, yep. Robin. Uh, he and I looked, and he goes, "Oh, there's a plane in in the shed." And he's like, "Who's plane?" He goes, "Oh, well, there's a friend of mine who owns that plane, and I he made me mow this field for him to uh, land it." I said, "What for?" He goes, "Oh, just for fun." He does it for fun. So, he, and I said, "He goes, do you want to be have it in the film?" I said, "Yeah." So I had a scene in the film where a guy gets they deliver these villains deliver drugs in a van, pull up and then drive off. I thought, well, why not? If we, we could just turn it into a plane. <laughs> Looks nice. Perfect. Instantly <laughs> you know? ups the uh, production value of yeah, your ups movie. The production value. Couple hundred like, grand. But also, yeah, take your time if you're going to make the script. Take it yeah. if you want it to look nice. I don't know if you want it to look rough and ready. Mm. It depends on the idea, doesn't it? But if you want it to look nice, spend like two months just looking for nice locations and affordable ones. Yep. And shoot in the summer. Don't shoot at night, and keep the cast minimal. But you should make it. There's no. You two should. You two, all you need to do is shoot it. And then everything yeah. else is a breeze for you two. Yep. You know. Well, like I said, Hattie, you're our Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> you swear a lot more and shout <laughs> more than Alec Guinness well, did. But still, we appreciate it. Plant. I'm trapped in this flat. <laughs> yeah. It's been a pleasure having you on, Mr. As thank always. You. And thank you for the telling off. We've had our pants truly pulled down and spilled. Bums banged. <laughs> <laughs> so much editing to do on this one, Mark. It's unbelievable. Oh, so much editing to do on this one. There's, there's so much uh, in that Hadia said that we're, we're not allowed to actually put in this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I apologize. We'll get the, the X rated and private version on another date on a secret, secure line. <laughs> yes. On the dark web. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers, Mark. Howdy. Cheers. Nice now. Bye, bye, bye now. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the debut feature film podcast. This is DIY Cinema Cult. There he is. He's gone. It's been a it's been it's been, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, but I I really appreciate that from Addy that kind of uh, rollicking and the, I love the way he listened to our first episode and got so he got annoyed. Really annoyed. He said he sent me. I felt like he took notes yeah. and had loads of shit he wanted to have a go at us about. It, it was, was good. it was good. He said that he was swearing in Arabic at the uh, at yeah. the at the computer. So obviously we we caused quite uh, an effect but hopefully some lessons that we can we can learn from that and all of our listeners can learn in terms of again it, it ties into the 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 don't ask for permission uh, idea as in yeah. you know Hadi's in a way sort of in a different world from us uh, as in you know he's he's getting films released by Warner Brothers and the like but um we uh, yeah. we can certainly learn the lesson of just well, there's nobody who's more uh, equipped with the knowledge to make your film than you are. So get going, yeah. get started in some fashion or another. Don't ask permission, particularly from the large public bodies, which clearly aren't really there. Oh, and, and, and to top that off, something that I didn't mention earlier on was um, I had a slight disappointment in that way with my documentary and that I'd kind of pitched to be part of the Sheffield meat market, which is a, yeah, a way yeah. to sort of 
meet up with lots of potential funders and broadcasters for my documentary and got a big fat no the other day, which I was somewhat it's disappointing. It, mate, it's a bit it? disappointing. So you know, they said, you know, you were one in 500 and they had like whatever 20 people who, who got through. So, you know, obviously it's a small chance, but again, it makes you think, well, okay, I could jack it all in now, or you just keep going. It was interesting hearing how he say that, uh, he had all of those knockbacks uh, with one of his films uh, from basically absolutely everybody. And then one, all he needed was one, one. one person came through and that was it, opened the door yeah. and then, you know, he, he got it released. And um, so, yeah, food for thought for us both. And um, yeah. hopefully, you know, we can, uh, we can use that sort of moving forward. And our listeners will be interested too in, in that kind of life lesson and they'll feel in some way that an inner Haddie in their mind is scolding them to just kind of bankrupt themselves and go and make a movie. Have a little Haddie on your shoulder (laughs) as you're thinking about your film project. Imagine a little angry Haddie on your shoulder telling you what's what. Because in a way, you know, we're setting ourselves up as this kind of DIY uh, podcast with very, you know, the pirate ethic. In a way, Haddie was kind of saying, look, guys, you're not being... You're not being pirate enough, enough. exactly. You're not being DIY enough, yeah. which that's what I'm taking away from that. Interview. For sure. I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Absolutely, that. absolutely. Definitely some good stuff in there. And um, we will see you the next time. And I, I'm imagining we'll still be in lockdown. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I reckon we will. I reckon we will. But let's do another one soon. Maybe we can get another guest on or we'll just do one between us. Yeah, so we've got a couple of other guests that we could we could get involved. So uh, let's see who we can rustle up for the next one. But it was an interesting yeah. experiment doing that and uh, yes. certainly some fruitful elements. So uh, thank you. Lovely Thanks very much. And uh, All right, guys. Yeah, we'll see you again next time. Cheerio, <laughs> listeners. a new idea haven't we mark something to involve our audience yeah we do diy cinema cult we're going to be launching a one minute film festival one minute which means anything up to one minute uh make a film diy observing social distancing rules etc shoot it anywhere you want anywhere you can something you can do on your own in your own home get shooting get writing get cutting and send us your film. It could be a documentary, it could be a narrative piece. But the winner, we thought the winner, what would be really exciting is getting the winner on the show. Get them on, absolutely. Although we're a pirate entity and completely democratic, we're also hideous dictators as well. So we will decide who the winner is. <laughs> so get shooting and get us your films. on twitter at diy cinema cult or on instagram we are diy underscore cinema underscore cult seek out the diy cinema cult group on facebook or why not email us at diy cinema cult at gmail.com follow us